right, everybody, welcome to episode number three of the Mistakes Were Made Gaming Podcast. Joined back here with Lane from Florida. Good to see you again, man. Yeah, good. You know, good to see you too here, Bob. Yeah. Just kidding. Over the last. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you and, sent me an article uh, earlier. Topics lined up, so if you get started right away, get into probably one of the biggest things I think is uh, Article Thirteen. I don't know if you ever heard of this Article Thirteen approved in the EU. Nah, oh, uh, you're talking about uh, gaming privacy or privacy with um, people's data, right? Right, right. So in Europe, they passed the copyright law, and part of it had copyright law. The big thing everyone's worried about through it is called Article 13, which um, it makes a lot of the the like the the services such as like YouTube don't have to pretty much copyright any kind of work or watch that you or me upload to it. Um, so they need to get, so if, say for example, you know, Joe or whoever on YouTube uploads a video uh, and it has some, you know, some other artists, you know, music in it that uh, he didn't approve of. Well, YouTube is, has to make sure that they have the copyright license of that guy's work or else they can get in trouble for Joe uploading that video. Instead of the reverse way around, where it works here in America, which is if I upload something that's copyrighted, that artist can just do a copyright strike onto me, and I have to deal with that. But now they're shifting the blame onto the companies like Twitch and like YouTube and Google, where they're the ones that have to deal with it now. And it's caused a lot of havoc. Some people think it's a good thing because then the creators can just create and then the big people like YouTube and Google, they have to like, they have to worry about that stuff. And, you know, the smaller creators don't have to anymore, which some people think that's a good thing. But on the other hand, some people think it's a bad thing where this can really kind of cause a lot of confusion and a, a huge mess for, in terms of copywriting. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a big deal over there. Yeah. I can understand that fully, man. And, you know, we're having, the, the biggest thing that would spawn something like this and uh, anyone that's watched a PewDiePie video or any, anything um, pretty much at this point, uh, any content creator is having issues with getting copyright, copyright striked nonstop here in the U S and it's an inefficient system. Challenging copyright strikes is an inefficient system and YouTube's pretty much just deaf on the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it would probably lead to something like this. Right. Um, granted, we don't live over there, so we're just guessing, right? But at the same time, when you're pushing the liability on the company, ideally, it's supposed to protect people from, you know, getting their monetization taken. So, like, if you don't pay attention to your email or pay attention to your main YouTube account, someone could be making money off of you know your content that you're uploading, and you might right. not even realize it. So, it's right. uh, one of those issues that. Here in the U.S., we deal with it on a consistent basis. So from from a standpoint of just a pure content creator, if you're talking about like a five-second clip where somebody just copy-striked it just to be a jerk, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, maybe another creator copy-striked another creator, you know, like uh, there was a good one where um, Alinity did it to Pewds earlier, I think it was last year, um, 
and she was, you know, she copy striked it. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pete's came out, told everybody what happened because he showed like a three second clip of hers. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, big backlash. She's like issuing an apology over it. It's pretty freaking hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, it can lead to a lot of confusion because at the end of the day, you're expecting a company, you're, you're essentially empowering companies to sit there and say, well, we don't like that, so we're going to copy strike it. So, you know, it, it does take away a little bit of the freedom of speech in a sense or could potentially, um, right. but it could also be at the sacrifice of, you know, making companies do what they're supposed to do. So, you know. Yeah, I saw well, one of the worries I saw was uh, people worried that this would then because now because of this companies like YouTube, they're going to have to pretty much just start buying up copyright licenses from literally anything they could think of or else they might get in trouble. And then that or they can you know, alternatively say, hey, you know what? We don't feel like doing that. So we're just going to only allow we're not going to we're only going to allow content creators of this magnitude on upload or, you know, with this background, they're going to, they could be, they can really restrict um, the creator's rights in a sense saying like to what they can and cannot upload. Which and wouldn't surprise can... me either as a reaction. YouTube doesn't, as they've uh, gone more corporate so to speak, they've started caring less and less about the creators that originally, you know, helped build YouTube into the platform it was. Um, prime example of that would be the TikTok videos that I'm sure everybody else has dealt with. And uh, something I actually wanted to bring up is uh, if I ever have to hear about a guy uh, talking about what his voice is like after a week in Minnesota, again, I'm going to have a freaking aneurysm because it, yeah. it, the amount of advertisements at this point, midway through a video, like, like I like to listen to the Joe Rogan experience. I like to watch on YouTube because, you know, he's actually a very animated person blows my mind every single time he's about to like make a point he's mid mid word he's just like oh yeah by the way and and then all of a sudden bam it just switches <laughs> yep. to some dude who's like this is my voice one week in minnesota i can't stand it i can't stand the principal person too or the teacher who's like oh my god my students found my tiktok account. don't care don't care about tiktok advertisements you make me hate the app i never want to use it you're you're a wannabe vine deal with it and, you know, I bet I bet they're going to have to deal with this, too. Just saying. They're going to have to deal with this, too. You know I mean? But if some kid uploads a TikTok or, you know, something, some kind of video, yep. has some copyrighted stuff in it, and then they get hit. You never know. But, yeah. again, this is this is only in Europe. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty safe, but there's still it, a lot of creators. Happens. That's what happens when you have 60 to 70-year-old people that are bureaucrats and also, you know, elected officials from different countries with different interests all making decisions on, you know, what everybody should have to deal with. So luckily we don't have to deal with that here in the U S mm-hmm. um, we, we get a little bit more freedom at least allegedly. Uh, so um, I will say there are a few exemptions they did make to this. They did say that places such as like nonprofit online encyclopedias, um, cloud storage services, online marketplaces, communication services. They said those kind of things are not going to be, they're exempt from this. Which is kind of good because, I mean, how can you really kind of, you can't really police that kind of stuff, you know, which is, it's good, it's good for that stuff. But I think the big, the big one, I think everyone's really worried about is just the YouTube and even Twitch too, you know, that they're going to have to deal with this issue. Um, yeah. We'll see, we'll see that. 
I mean, it's it's the European Union is for every good rule that they make, in my opinion, they make one that's just so asinine. It makes no sense. So it's. But do you think do you think that like this somehow also helps um, the creators, though? Do you think that all helps them? In a way, because it makes YouTube actually take responsibility for the copyright process, um, which they've uh, absolutely avoided. Like it has been something that they have absolutely avoided fixing for years at this point it's been notoriously terrible most content creators at this point have probably given up trying to deal with it um Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where it's like it's all automated it's obnoxious nobody really wants to deal with it um so i hope that it actually benefits in the sense that hey they're actually going to try to keep things in check but you know Mm -hmm. that's kind of wishful thinking at this point so we'll see how it pans out you know Right, um, right. You never know. It, yeah. it's, it, it made things can change on a, on a dime. Yeah, um, and but you yeah, know, it, I, I, I would hesitate in a sense having government get involved in things like that. But you know, at the same time, it, it's not my business. So, you know, not my, not my pig, not my farm, man. You know. Yeah. So I, I think we'll definitely see. I think probably we will probably see something change within a year or so of this. You know. Um, especially over the summer, we'll see how it affects all the creators. Um, and I wonder if it'll even have some effect on the United States. I mean, what, what we're going into the, you know, the election starting next year, you know, so that's a, uh, that's a, that's a, I do not want to be similar <laughs> to the, you, you and I both know where I stand. I don't want to be similar to the European Union, you know, I'm all for yeah. it. It's, it's one of those deals where I just, uh, <laughs> Well, don't I, don't see it going well. <laughs> I think just not countries aside. I think the internet is just a really tough thing to build laws around. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you you do you have some places like, you know, of course, you know, North Korea or like China where they really really restrict people's access and everything, and you know that that's their own thing, whatever. But in general, people. The internet's the kind of thing where people will always find a way around it. You know, there you can put a law out there, a restriction out there, but it's one of those things where people will find a way around it. You know, I mean, it may be illegal or whatever, but they'll find a way. Yeah, I feel you there. Um, you know, and also just to kind of throw this out there too, you know, I, and I don't know very much about it per se, but I do understand that like Nintendo content creators have an issue with YouTube as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently they can't do it without giving a slice of the pie to Nintendo is essentially the spark notes <laughs> yeah. version of it. Um, but it's one of those deals on that end where, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if company like a company like YouTube started blocking anything that had to do with copyright, unless they could show the copyright while uploading or something like that, you know, just making it way more complex. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could also see them making it damn near impossible for a uh, content creator to upload like a single YouTube video as opposed to someone who was previously yeah. open, oh, like uploading like three or four. Yeah, um, imagine imagine you're a European content creator and you upload like you know two videos a day and you go to click upload and it says, "Hold on, we got to review your video." It could take one to two business days. And you that's know, an ideal situation because, you know, once again, if you're talking about a company that deals with literally probably thousands of uploads a day, and if we're talking about just, if we're talking about just a corporation, 
in a sense. Like they're going to travel as lean as possible. So they'll make you wait. Um, they're not going to be it's like, I could see YouTube's response time being like five days even. And then all of a sudden you see a reaction video for something that's happened five days ago. And it's a little bit overkill, you know? Um, it, I think it's, it's, it's really going to be interesting can of worms to see how they tackle it, man. Um, I know the European union has complex laws when it comes down to the private the data sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, even, um, like there was a controversy with the Epic games launcher, for example, um, companies had to acknowledge who the data was going to be shared with. It's not just like, Hey, by the way, we could share this with third party affiliates. Um, mm-hmm which is something that usually you see by clicking this, you agree to, you know. Yeah, no one reads it. Yeah, nobody reads it. But if you actually saw, like, what you were agreeing to, it would kind of make you sick. Um, Yeah, I know. It's You know, I think you were mentioning the Epic Launcher. And um, I saw, I was on Reddit the other day on the Elder Elder Scrolls Reddit. One of them said, like, I swear to God, if, you know, if if we find the next Elder Scrolls game come out on Bethesda's own launcher, it's people are going to lose their shit. And I think lo- the whole launcher thing, like I know Ubisoft has, I think they're on their, their own launcher, if I'm correct. And so is EA. Yep. Um, it, it's, you know, what is your take on that? I think it's, a, I personally, I think it's a mess. I, I think they're kind of pointless. I, I get what they're trying to do with them. Like trying to, you know, have their own hub for their own content that people can go to. But I, I think it just creates more of a mess really. So Activision has been using Blizzard's launcher. Um, usually every publishing company used their own launcher in the past. Steam actually kind of made their way up a little bit. Um, love or hate Steam. Some people absolutely love it. Some people absolutely hate it. I respect both sides of the coin there because, you know, as much as I do love that you can play some weird games on Steam, there's some really crappy games on there that get approved. Um, and some really raunchy games too. Like, there was a, you know, there was, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of like, uh, like, adult rated games that are on there and it's just a little weird to me but at the same time you know that's just me so you know some people might be into that and hey more power to you yeah right Um, when it comes down to the epic games launcher the only issues i have with it is that (sighs) they're just they're lacking in a lot of features it's a new launcher so it lacks in a lot of features that a lot of other features a lot of other launchers would have um, so like the Epic game store isn't the easiest to surf. Um, there, there just seems to be like, a, it just seems to be, just be poorly built so far. Um, you can't buy multiple games at one time. That, that was another thing that got pointed out that I thought was absolutely astounding. To me. Um, wow. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to do every single game and every single separate transaction, which, you know, Hey, if you're buying multiple <laughs> games at this point, good for you, man. Um, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I, uh, when it comes down to it, for me, I don't really see the controversy. I actually think it's a good thing because I think Steam has been kind of the top dogs for so long. I also see the benefit of more money going to, to people that are actually working on games, the developers. They and I want them to get more money. Um, true. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, like a fifteen to twenty percent increase is pretty massive. Right. Uh, with split right. sharing there so it's i think it's uh it's good for it's good for competition it's good for developers i know why developers are going there i understand why they're going exclusive 
Right. Um, from a business sense, do I like it? Not really, but I also understand that, you know, competition's good. It'll make steam up their game. And Oh, yeah. Don't I mean, you can already, yeah, you already don't... see that, like, you know, they'll, they'll give people early access to discounts. And oh, yeah. when I, I love what Ubisoft does where they give you just points and you can buy, like, in-game stuff with their points just for doing achievements and stuff. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, too, speaking of Bethesda, because you brought that up a minute ago, yeah. Um, they released Morrowind for the, uh, I think it was yesterday. I did, yeah, for free. Um, they released it on Steam. Yeah. Um, they also released a few of the other Bethesda games on Steam, and they are releasing Fallout 76 on Steam. Not that anyone's going to buy that piece of garbage. but <laughs> Yeah, um, well. Or or uh, you can call it um, Nuclear Skyrim is what I like to call it because it's a yeah, right? Scorch Bastard. Yep. So, um, <laughs> Uh, and and it's uh you know i think that's a step in the right direction i think they're trying to get some brownie points back after mm-hmm. everything to do with fallout 76 i don't think they made a good decision for about two three months there yeah um i mean even even their nuka dark rum that they came out with ended up being complete garbage and a plastic bottle for 80 bucks like it's just lame you know um yeah, if you yeah. Trust somebody 80 bucks for crap rum at least make sure that it's a good bottle so <laughs> Um, well, but, yeah, unfortunately, I never, I never played Fallout 76 or so. It's like, well, you know, call it a blessing. I, I guess so. That's all I hear is people complaining about it. Um, which it, it's kind of a, I don't know, like, to be honest, when I, when I heard Fallout 76 get you know, announced when I was watching E3 and they started talking about it, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was, too 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 good to be true because follow the recent follow it it's been it's been out for a while for like a few years i think yeah but you you like you never really see bethesda take like this do go this fast with games you know so when they said they had another fallout game coming out i was just kind of surprised like wait a second they're already coming out with another fallout game there's no way this is going to be like a brand spanking new, like, like, you know, big release. Yeah. Like I just, I just didn't see it happening because, you know, Bethesda's known for taking time on their games. And when one comes out, it's like a Holy shit moment. But yeah. after that, I was just like, when I saw that release and then they said it's multiplayer. I thought, okay, maybe that's going to be good. And then I just, I don't know. I just wasn't impressed by the, the gameplay and the graphics and everything. I, you knew it was just running on the same stuff that Fallout 4 was running on. So and see, the, the pro, that goes back to another issue I'm having with a lot of game developers in 2019. The gaming industry is down, right? Um, and it, it absolutely is in the sense that, you know, financially, a lot of investors aren't going towards it. And if you look at the trip, main AAA titles last year, Call, out, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, it did, it did just as good as the other ones. But there was no growth, you know, and you we're talking about a stagnant game when it comes down to player growth. That's a great triple A title that's yeah. always gonna sell, but nobody knew it was coming to it. There it right. just seems to be about a similar amount of people every single year. Um and then you look at other games that came out. I mean Red Dead Redemption, obviously fantastic. But then you talk about Fallout seventy six. Absolute freaking horrific tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Right? And yeah. if, if you look at Madden and FIFA, like FIFA still sells Europe no matter what, but the sales were down for Madden and FIFA. 
Right. Overall, last fall, most AAA games had a decline in sales. And the reason why is because people are just getting tired of buying the same crap every year. Whether it's right. EA just churning out another Madden or FIFA again, that's the same thing with an updated roster. Or whether it's, you know, Fallout 76, unreleased, or a game like Destiny, un- unfinished. All these unfinished games are not selling well. And it's because, guess what? These games as a service is a complete joke. Oh, no, right. You know, I was thinking about this just the other day, too, about when you mentioned FIFA. Um, and I was thinking about that. I was thinking to myself, you know, how, how is it that they get away with that? You know, releasing a game every year. But then I thought back to back when we were growing up, you know, when you had like the, the, like the NHL 99 or whatever. Yeah. Those, every time EA came out with a new NHL game or a new FIFA game back then, they made like a leap forward, not just in terms of just having the new rosters and new players, but the mechanics were different, the graphics were different, everything just kind of jumped up. And you know, sure, yeah, it's because technology was also developing faster at the time, and I think we've hit a kind of like a, a kind of leveled off now with technology, where um, now with EA games, with FIFA and NHL and Madden, they're kind of just stale like you said people are just getting kind of sick of the shit they're like you know what all you're giving us is new rosters maybe some new players maybe some new jerseys and you know stadiums or whatever but the, the game still plays the same it still looks the same mechanics are still the same like what's what's different you know and that's that's a big thing because mainly like if you look at most men's a lot of it's just asset flipping so it's not anything too technical for them to work on throughout the year but they always preach like one big change, but it's oh, yeah. a sacrifice of something else that they take away. That, that it tends to be something they take away that's actually very liked, right? Um, and then they replace it with something else that can be completely hit or miss. Like Madden Ultimate Team is the dumbest idea, but I know monet- like people people spend oh. money on it. Oh no, um, same thing with FIFA. If you see with FIFA, it's like no one plays FIFA for the game; they play it for FIFA Ultimate Team, you know, or yeah. for the the cards. Yeah, it's, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's yeah. just uh, there's one guy. There was a uh, Reddit post I read where a guy had he spent sixteen thousand dollars in a two year period playing FIFA, right? And um, I mean, the guy was like, you know, luckily I do make enough, which hey, that's awesome. But um, oof, nice problem to have. But um, yeah, I know, right? you know, it's like oh yeah, I didn't sweat it, but my girlfriend and I talked about it, and you know, I have to <laughs> slow down a lot. It's like all right, good. Good for you. I, you know, I <laughs> have not experienced sixteen thousand dollars in wasted money like that before. But no. you know, we've we've you and I've talked about this. Whether it was you know, I, I personally, I, I feel like even a game like Destiny Two was destroyed by the monetization scheme. Um, mm-hmm. It just absolutely like you know having having half the content in a expansion pass or in an expansion pack that you paid for already be locked behind another paywall is just. Uh, a little bit of a nightmare, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. But, so. you know, like I think we said last episode, you know, the, the gaming industry is always changing constantly. And we'll always see different ways these companies try to make a few bucks here and there, you know, whether it's DLC, whether it's microtransactions with loot boxes, whatever. Yeah, there's, always some, there's, for, there's always something. And, and yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm anti-loot box. I'm all for cosmetic purchases. Sure. Because some people want to get, like, a unicorn helmet to feel pretty. Good for you. But Sure. Um, yeah. you know, when it comes down to a man, no, just not me, not me. I'm, I do not want to pay for something that gives me a competitive advantage. Um, Battlefront 2 is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, yep. was a, that was a dumb idea. Um, you and I were talking about last episode the Assassin's Creed experience booster, that was a dumb idea, yep. too. 
Um, now, what is your take? Because you must then you must really hate then what CSGO does. You know what CSGO does? The way yeah, they do things. I know I know how they do their their shop. I don't I don't care for it. I don't play CSGO for that reason. Okay. Um, it's I, dangerous. Yeah, it is. I mean, it in my opinion, yes, but you can't convince other people that if they you know they hate it. We live in a country where it's free for people to get ripped off if they want to be ripped off. Let them do it. Yeah, it's your money. You gotta be in control of it. And you know, it's just an, it's it's um uh, they kind of put their, their responsibility onto the people. Yep. And um, so, you know, and if parents are letting their kids do that and spend their money on that, that's on the parents because they shouldn't be buying the game to begin with. True. Um, true. And it's not like it's not like precautions aren't in there in place. You know, a lot of these play, a lot of these consoles, especially consoles. I'm yep. not sure about PCs, but. I know, and like Xboxes, you can really kind of put a lot of privacy stuff on there. You can make sure kids don't even buy anything. You can do a lot of stuff with that. So yeah, um, that's a great idea too. Like just limit the hell out of it. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, I I know uh, one company we were talking about uh, with monetizations is huge with that is EA, and that kind of transitions into the next thing I want to talk to you about. Okay, is one of the big topics of EA laying off 350 people. Um, only in marketing and publishing, but that's still a big deal. It's still a big they, hit. They did I close mean, their Tokyo store, their Tokyo right. development office too, and Russia too. In Russia, yep. So yeah, it's um, this is a uh, a simple case of well, this is a simple case of working for a corporation. If a cheaper mm-hmm. option has been found, you will be replaced. That is just how corporate America works, unfortunately. Um. I, you know, on, on a personal level, I, you know, I, I had, I think I, I said this on the first episode of the podcast, you know, I've been not like an executive or anything in corporate America. Um, I have been on the lower rung of management and it's mm-hmm. a dirty place to be sometimes. Um, I don't, I absolutely am not okay with people losing their jobs. I'm, I'm of course. in any way, shape or form. Um, I do think that this is kind of, I think it's kind of a blowback in the sense that, you know, they expanded too fast as a company. Um, Yeah. They projected growth way too much and they didn't necessarily go in with a long-term plan. And they, they had a bunch of of ideas that didn't necessarily show that it was going to pay off for them. Um, I don't know anything that their their Japan office developed. I don't know anything about their Russian office. I don't know any of those things. Um, right. So I don't know what the value was of the work they were doing. Not to say that it's not valued. I think what what you were saying, we like I like what you're pointing out is, um, and I agree with this that I think EA definitely they expanded way too quick, and they kind of really felt the losses in a lot of different areas because of that. So I think this is just a result of that and them just trying to kind of, um, you know, just kind of focus on really on more what they want to do in the future in the long run. Uh, I mean, when I was reading an article on Kotaku, I mean, and they're saying that, you know, they're, and this isn't a financial thing. You know, EA is doing fine financially. They're doing okay. Yes, they aren't doing as well as they have been doing. Yeah. But they're not in they're not even close to getting bankrupt or anything like that. Well, you're this is just a million dollars half a, or half a billion dollars on ultimate team for just people. I think alone. you're good. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so this fun. is more of like a strategy kind of move, you know, for them really is just kind of trying to narrow down and focus on what they want to do. It's just really unfortunate to see that they're this has happened. 
but maybe who knows maybe this uh will make them kind of take a more serious approach to gaming in general i doubt Uh, that um they are they're doing the let's travel lean and put more pressure on a lot of other people and it's mm -hmm. you know and this is where i you know uh, i get a little bit deep here i guess but um depression in third world countries versus first world countries there's a massive difference third world countries it it hardly exists and then you put people in an office environment and i see this work being stacked over to somebody else now you know they keep saying oh we we were you know we were planning to get these processes in place and it's all automated someone's got to manage it and if they're managing all that crap all day you're putting more pressure on a smaller amount of individuals and that smaller amount of individuals are gonna not handle it that well in the long run. So I'm worried about people's health physically. I'm worried about their mental health. Um, there has to be a balance, you know, um, there are, you know, I, I think that companies like EA take advantage of there's two people. You either work to live or you live to work. They take advantage of the people who live to work. And then they're typically left with not much because they're not working to live. You know what I mean? So, those people that sell out, they're like, you know what? I'm going to try to move up the chain. I'm going to get everything I got. I'm going to make these sacrifices and hope it gets noticed. And a lot of times with corporate uh, America or, you know, major corporations, they don't notice that. They don't care. No, they only yeah. care if it's financially viable. Right. Um, you know, it's a little heartless in that sense. You know, and a lot of companies, they do a good job of faking it. But, you know, once you get, you know, chewed up and spit out once or twice, you're just kind of like, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to go work where I'm appreciated. I'm okay with this. And, uh, you know, ideally I open up my own business and I do it differently. Ideally that's how it works. Um, so, but when you're a publicly traded company like that, they're not necessarily doing it with a good heart. They're not, you know, there is no heart to it. They're doing it to be lean that way they can please investors. And, you know, they'll, they're trying to maximize productivity out of the smallest amount of people possible. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I wish them the best. I, I'm sure those people, you know, they're probably people been in the industry for a while. So hopefully they find jobs elsewhere. There are a lot of good indie studios to go to or just a lot of small, you know, uh, companies out there. Gaming industry is growing every day. So there's definitely jobs for them and I hope they find them. Hey, I myself got chewed out and spit, chewed up and spit out by corporate America. Not even what, two, three months ago, John. <laughs> true, so, true. You know, one door, you know, one door closes, another one opens, you know, it's not necessarily going to be, it doesn't necessarily make sense immediately. You know, Um, I was very lucky to have a call for an interview The like many calls actually for an interview, like literally the day after everything happened and it was with clients of mine. So I lucked out there, but there's a lot of people that don't have that and it may take a few months and heck it took me a month and a half to get fired, get hired. So I was sitting there going, is this a real thing? Um, you know, I was a little bit paranoid and skeptical. <laughs> so, you know, I, I lucked out. There are some people that won't find something for a while. I'm hoping that they get some kind of severance pay or something to hold them over. Right. Um, I hope they're taken care of and I hope everything goes well for them, man. You know? Do you think? Do you think in the future we might um, ever see kind of like unions start to form with these developers? It's a great idea on paper, bad in practicality. Um, the reason I say that is unions stifle creativity naturally. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't 
I don't know. I I would say that there there are if if publishers don't get their act together, absolutely, right. it's gonna happen. Um, I mean, most of game development here in the U.S. takes place in California to begin with, so yeah. that's kind of an unfortunate truth there. Um, unions are a thing out there, much more prevalent than, like, say, Florida, where there is no union. <laughs> um, but if you, well, there is a union, but it, it's like nobody. I, I've never met a person that works for a union out here. Um, and if I have, then they haven't spoken up. But it's one of those things where uh, I could see it happening out there in California. Um, but at the same time, I could also see a lot of those game developers leave California for it. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's kind of a uh, provocative way to say that. But, you know, uh, the problem the problem with unions is they have a, a an inherent cost that's a, a little bit higher than most businesses are going to want to go somewhere cheaper. That's why you're already seeing an exodus for, of businesses from California to Texas right now. It's almost like they like to be in business friendly States. Um, yeah. So it's, it, I don't know. I, I hope so. I, in a way, I hope that publishers start taking care of their employees, but at the same time, I don't want a union. <laughs> so Yeah. It, I mean, it's hard with these bigger companies like EA, especially, you know, um, it, because to make a video game it takes a lot of time, a lot of hours from every department. So you you already know that there's people working their asses yeah, off for and overtime. When you're trying to, and when you're trying to please, you know, uh, when you're trying to please investors, and that's where the inherent devil's at, in my opinion. When these business people who are not associated with games whatsoever try to please investors, and there, you know, there's this thing called crunch that developers go through where it's like, oh, we have to do 60, 80 hour weeks. We're at the final bit. Like, I'm sure there was some of that going on at Bioware, like, or, you know, in a similar, yep. you know, because, you know, six years, then Anthem's released. It's in the state it's in. Like, yeah. a lot of crunch had to have happened for that many mistakes to happen because it, most of the time, and whether you're a writer, whenever you do something with like creativity as a backbone, yeah, the less time you have, the more you're gonna miss. Most people people don't have that clutch gene. You know what I mean? Where you just get everything right at all times, and you actually thrive under pressure. Most people don't. Um, right, especially and, with with gaming. I mean, um, there's just so many slip ups that can happen, and that can be easily overlooked. You know, because like you know, ex like example you said was Anthem. You know, so. Yeah. It could it could just be a case of that where and now they're being forced. But and I'm not speaking for Bioware, by the way, because I don't know and I could be completely wrong. I want to right. preface that before Never know. anybody freaks out. Yeah, yeah it, it could be anyone. It could it could be it doesn't have to be a it could it could be Ubisoft. It could even be, you know, down to it could be the people at Fortnite. It could be too. We we you know at Epic over there, sorry. And yeah. um we you don't know. It could like I said, you never know. But you know, that's that's a TBD, you know, to be determined. We don't know if we'll start seeing them. I think eventually you'd see one or two, but we don't time tell how the gaming industry will take will take to it because it's still it's still young. The gaming industry is still very young, and no doubt. It's, it's still growing. So I I feel like sure. the biggest issue that I have with the gaming industry today, and this is I'm gonna just kind of switch topics. You sound like my dad there when he said that statement. Uh... The biggest. Biggest problem I have with gaming here today, son, 
Is this like a? This is going to be like a back in my day story in the future. Back, back in my day. Back in my day. No, we no. had knobs on the TV. <laughs> and we also had to put the antennas around to get the news coverage. Yeah. No, All no. your TVs are flat these days. Ours were big tubes. <laughs> God, those things must have weighed a freaking ton, man. I the the memories I had, my my all right, my that you know off topic, but my first um my first console that I ever purchased myself was an Xbox 360. And I remember getting a TV for it. My my one friend, he had a an old a tube TV, and he's like, All right, I'll sell it to you, man. And back then, like they had flat screens out, but they were really expensive, so it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. All right. So I bought it for him up to like 50 bucks. And he pulled up in his, his mom's van with it and just lugging that thing upstairs. Oh my God. It was insane. And, <laughs> and not even that, but he, he had me, he gave me the TV and he said, okay, let me just tell you this right off the bat. It's a great TV, but I will warn you when you push the power button, it also will turn the volume up on the TV. And I'm like, what? He's like, so every time you go to turn the TV off, the volume's going to go up. <laughs> I love technology. <laughs> so it was, yeah, but that's how technology worked back then in the day. It was just like, this may work, this may not work. <laughs> oh, my, my Shiki TV does the same thing. It's hilarious. Like, I'll, I'll go to try to hit the volume down button, and then it just shoots it all the way up, and my dog all of a sudden <laughs> hides under the bed because he's freaking out because yeah. that there's a thunderstorm. So, um, but, oh, uh, go back to what I was saying. So, yeah. biggest issue I have with... Uh, gaming today yeah. and you and i kind of alluded this there's like okay. no risk taking you know like anthem was a risk but it was yeah. just a very i mean it was a risk taken by a triple a company that a triple a publisher that probably put way too much pressure on anthem and had way too much uh of right. a hand in the development of it um you've seen the same thing with destiny with activision cutting content everything like that i think it's pretty much a well-known fact at this point that Every DLC pack for Destiny 1, that was all cut content from the original game. That was all supposed to be in there. Mm-hmm. Would have been a completely different experience with that damn game. Um, publishers being involved in the creative process is inherently bad. I have never seen it pay off. Um, you know, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about risks, and it, it's kind of strange. Like, yeah, I, I do agree that now uh, companies... T- take risks anymore in the gaming industry yeah but think also about got... jack and daxter was the last of like the crash bandicoot and spyro series right like kind right. of a similar vein like where the hell is the most recent version of spyro in today like what is today's spyro right there isn't one what, yeah, what, true. Is, what I mean, is today's crash bandicoot there isn't one it's all it's, the same but it's, titles. it's tough though because you got you got we well, gotta think though because I mean, look at a game like No Man's Sky, for example. That was a big risk that company took. I mean, that was like their only, they only hit that company. Uh, I don't even, actually, I'm sorry, I don't remember who made the game. But they only had like one other or two other games previous to that. And then they came out with No Man's Sky, and it was so hyped, it was so great. And then it came out, and it just bombed, and people hated it. And it was a big risk for that company. And they, uh, they really, they ate it. Hell of a developed it. So taking risk, it's like, it's kind of a weird thing. Cause like sometimes you can take risks, sometimes you can't, sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like when the smaller companies take the risks, it, it, it kind of pays off in a sense, but when the bigger companies do, 
it doesn't really pay off. It and, seem like it. Well, the other thing too is like the hype that goes behind those games. All right, so like Spyro didn't yeah. exactly get advertised until after it was already established as a great game. Like a lot of these companies, like Anthem, the amount of advertising was stupid, and it set the bar way too high. But I like I ask you this though: if there wasn't as much hype going into the game, and then it released, and people liked it, and it traveled by word of mouth, do you think it would have been better off? Oh, like, for sure. The reason I say that is a game like Apex Legends, it pulled an M&M, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Kamikaze it came, came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. The games that seem to be successful, the more time you give people to review it, the more mm-hmm. time you hype it, the worse a game seems to be, at least on a socially acceptable front. I don't know yeah. why, but it just feels like nobody's surprised anymore. Right. And it, it, I feel like a lot of these developers when they do take a risk like Anthem, they're treating it like it's already going to be a AAA title. Right. That's not how it should be. That's not what worked before. The formula was simple. We we make a game. seems like a great idea. You know what? Let's put a decent budget into it. Let's not sit there and spend $100 million, oh, $500 yeah. million, dollars, like whatever it is, right? Let's yeah. not spend that much on a game, and let's see how it does. And right. hopefully it travels by word. You know, like the original Mass Effect, travel by word, right? Right. The games that are, the games that are more creative, the games that actually last, the games that actually get find a niche, they have a tendency to not be the most advertised games until after they're successful already. Right. Well, I think I think a big part of it is um, I think you're, you hit it right in the nail, right in the head. You know, yeah, um, when but I was thinking about that as you were talking, and when a company comes out with a new game. And they do it like the old way, like you said, just do it kind of word of mouth. It is a hell of a lot more successful than the overhype stuff. And but I think the only time that you're allowed to overhype a game is really when the people know what they're gonna get with that game. Like it's okay to overhype an Elder Scrolls game. We know what we're getting. We know what's gonna Not be about. we know it's gonna be good. Well, I'm just saying in the past <laughs> in the past that you know that's we're okay with that. You know, if a new Halo came out, it's okay to overhype it. We know what we're getting. Everyone's going to be behind it. But if a new, but if if an entirely (laughs) new game came out, like if an entirely new title came out, you don't overhype it. You just you show a trailer at E3, you explain what the game's about, and that's it. You ask for pre-orders, you do that kind of stuff. The game comes out, it gets some some amount of traffic, but then, like you said, it's all word of mouth, and it grows that way. And and to make matters worse, a prime example of overselling a game, like. I'm gonna refer back to Anthem because this is the greatest sales pitch. I was I don't pre-order games. I pre-ordered Anthem. I canceled it the night before it came out. Um, because in my gut, I had a feeling that I was gonna get screwed if I bought that game, and it was it was because I fell for a sales pitch that was too good to be true. Their E3 trailer with how the city was working, you know, you see the walker in the background moving and then all of a sudden it's not moving in the real game. Yep. The graphics, the, just the, the city felt vibrant and alive and it's dead in comparison. Yes. There's load screens, load screens, load screens. You might as well just call it load screen simulator. You spend five minutes on load screens out of 10 minutes of total play time. Mm-hmm. Hey, I feel you... like that was the greatest sales pitch that absolutely let everybody down. And it's one of those deals where more and more games are starting to get like that. 
and they're setting a bar that's so high that it's like, oh, that's great in theory, but what can you actually do? And gamers right. that are, are starting to actually get smart to it. Well, um, yeah, because if you overhype a game that nobody has even played before, then that's just bad. That's bad going in it because you're going to just really overhype it and people, they're going to have high expectations going in. And even in the tiniest bit of problems is going to be a huge hill. You know, people are going to, you know, over-exaggerate it by a ton, even if it's the smallest thing. You know, for, for example, a good example, though, I just want to point out is if you even compare it to, at the time, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Or Red, you know, they didn't oversight. They knew what they were giving the people and people just ran with it. Because everyone wanted it. They knew what they were getting. What I saw in those advertisements was exactly what I got and then some because that exactly. was the most fun. I did not think – I knew I was going to play it. All right. I got, after the first Red Dead, I was playing it. I did not think I would like Arthur Morgan as a character. Hands down, top five best video game characters of all time by the end of that story. Right. The way the this I grew emotionally connected to him, and they made your decisions matter, and yeah, felt like you were a part of him in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those deals where you don't really get that feeling with most games nowadays, where you kind of lose yourself in that character, and you're really because but but you have a morality meter, and based on how you act towards people, it changes how the game reacts to you, and it's amazing. It, it was it was fantastically done. You know, I'm going to flat out say that I, I don't think it gets enough credit. Between that and God of War, they are the two best games that I played all last year. Spider-Man was pretty good. It yeah. was fun. But it, yeah, I heard, was, I heard it did really well. It was good. Yeah, it did really well. It was it was one of the main featured uh, featured games I loved last year for, for uh, PlayStation. But I, you know, and I played it. It was great. But I had yeah. a feeling when I finished God of War, where I was like, oh man, I want to play this even more. <laughs> I yeah. cannot wait. And the best part of that was, you know, when they were, you know, and I forget the gentleman's name, but when the the guy, the lead developer for it, um, who at Sony Santa Monica, he flat out said, he's like, you know, I made this, this is a game that we put, you know, five years into. I wanted to make it so that you got five years worth of game development on it, no DLC. And, yeah, that, and that's great. And that's I felt it playing that game. I felt like yeah. they cared. It was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Now, do you think? Do you, I know we were talking a lot about overhyping games and stuff like that, and all these trailers. Now, when you look at the history of that over overhyping games, do you think it's really just EA that has this problem, or do you think other developers? Because the way I look at it, well, it looks EA, like EA is at the problem here. EA is the biggest dog, biggest fish in the pond. So whatever EA does, everybody's going to try to mimic it because they want to make as much money as EA, right? Um, well, and when I say that, I mean Activision mainly. Um, EA and Activision have a, they typically have a problem with that. Ubisoft is hit or miss depending on what it is. Um, yep. But for the most part, it's it's a more recent trend. It's over the past few years, and it's mainly the major developers that do it. Um, no Man's Sky is definitely an exception there. Um, there's probably a I mean, few others that you could find exception to, but it just feels like every single game that those companies release, they just like advertise, 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 and just shove it down your damn throat to the point where it's like, I am so turned off by this, it's not even funny. Like, when I think of advertising and overhyping, my immediately I immediately think of 
Anthem, Battlefield, yep. Battlefront, and you know that's pretty much it. I mean, even games like even game like Division Two, it wasn't really heavily. I mean, it was advertised, and I saw ads everywhere for it and stuff like that. But that's probably because I was searching for it. But you didn't really see it being overhyped, and you know, year by year, I'm just like going in broad, like going through different titles here. Call of Duty, Call of Duty, they, every year it's the same thing. They don't, they don't really overhype it. I mean, they release trailers and stuff, but that's the, it, that are like those are just like you said, those are just sales pitches, those trailers. Yeah, and they it's don't really much overhype. Sales pitch, those are established franchises. Um, yeah, exactly. The, that's what the, I'm saying. The biggest thing is, and this is what's really funny about it. The only one that went against the grain on it was Battlefield, where they were like, "Okay, we're going to overhype this a bit. We're going to have, oh yeah, this mm-hmm. is historically accurate and bionic arm woman, right?" Um, mm-hmm. So like they went against the grain in that sense. They they tried to be they tried to talk too much about what their intent was behind what they were doing and how they were going to apply it, and it right. backfired. Because you just pissed off an entire crowd of people that don't want to deal with politics in the game. If you, yeah, well, I mean, if they would have just shut up and just made a basic trailer, yeah, and not gone into what maybe their even their original intent was, it would have at least saved a few sales for them, so that they could at, at least mitigate the backlash for when the game was released. Because at, at some point, for sure, it's going to catch up to you. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I just think I just think EA has a big problem with overhyping stuff. They really do. And even if it's an established ranch just like Battlefield, they, they, they even do that there. So Yeah, I agree. I agree fully. I mean I so, going back to what we were talking about before, just creativity, taking risks. The problem that I'm having yeah. is that they're too focused on always publishing the next triple A game as opposed to just making a good game. And if they focus on that, they're going to find the next AAA game from all those other little good games. Like, you can do mm-hmm. a small budget game for a couple million and just see how it goes. And if it sells, it sells. But if it doesn't, it's like, okay, we just toss that away. That sucks. But, you know, have a smaller team develop a game that's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't have to have all this hundreds of millions of dollars poured into it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's how you're going to find the next great game. Then pour hundreds of billion dollars, uh, billions of dollars. Oh in. yeah, because you've got something that's already a fully fleshed out model. You've got something that clearly, it from a monetization standpoint, you already made really high margins on a game that you invested very little into. Um, yeah. So when they say, okay, we want to focus on you know making more games, the problem that I have with them saying that and Activision saying that is when you say that, are you saying that you're going to make more games with these big teams, which I don't agree with, or are you going to make smaller games with smaller teams? Because what bothers me is that a company like Bungie, for example, they go over to Activision, they use Activision's money. Now, right now they are the largest unaffiliated developer. They have almost a thousand employees. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, really high for a company that's unaffiliated with a publisher. Um, that could change. That could change, but it's, I don't see it changing. I think they want their autonomy because of how bad Activision was to them. And 
you know, maybe if a Bungie employee is ever listening to this, I'm sure they're sitting there going, you know, we left Microsoft Studios to get under that oppressive boot and we just, you know, trade a one double for another. And I think that's their overall lesson. They're getting out now before their company, before they tank um, and they can try to save whatever Goodwill's left. Um, I like that they're starting to do more community outreach. I like that they're getting back to what made Bungie Bungie. They're slowly starting. That's nice. Um, yeah. And the reason I say that is because it was what got them there to begin with. And if it ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it. And Activision wanted to fix it. So we'll see how it, it goes. It, oh, there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, I hope so. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be exciting to see with, with Bungie, with EA, because we never know. You know, EA is the devil right now. But who knows? And maybe another five years, ten years, it could well, change. They could, they could that company. Actually, you know as long as it's a publicly traded company, they're kind of screwed. So especially from a creatively creative state creative standpoint. And I feel bad for any, any uh, developers that get bought by them because chances are, you know, just like dead space, you know, that company got closed. You're going to be a victim to the machine eventually. Um, And I feel very bad for you. Um, I hate to say it, but you are under their impressive boot now. So <laughs> if you can avoid being bought by EA and you're a developer, do that. Um, same with Activision, you know, like. Maybe... But, you know, this is this is good for the small, the small guys. We're seeing a lot of new new, new games with small companies make you know, rise to the top, which is really nice. It is. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it's an exciting time in the sense that, you know, we might not, not be getting anything right now. But in the long run i think there will be a payoff to it i hope there's a payoff to it it would be nice to have a payoff to it (laughs) yeah um but you know it's one of those deals where i want to start seeing i want to start seeing what the smaller companies can do again because if if they can make a game that takes off and has a following like a similar to a spyro sense right um they're going to be totally fine you know, um, oh, yeah. please don't get affiliated with a major publisher, even if the money is nice. <laughs> oh, I know that. That's, like I said, they like the devil. But um, we're getting close to almost an hour. But so I kind of want to start wrapping this up. Last thing I just want to talk about is just uh, how we always end it. You know, what are we talking about? What have we been playing? Then spend like a week or so, uh, just you know, bring up what we've been playing. So I'll start with you. What, what have you been up to? What have you been playing recently? Uh, religiously, the division two. Um, I've kind of hit still a little bit strong. of still going strong. Um, waiting for World Tier Five to drop right now, but there's a lot of small, intricate things for you to collect, like you know, little uh, weapon mods and different perks and everything like that. So um, we've been mainly been playing the Dark Zone lately, which is uh, a lot of fun, actually. So, what is your take on? I think I've been on the Division Two Reddit all the time, and What's your take on the? There's been an argument going on there that some a lot of people are complaining about the difficulty in the the higher tiers, and a lot of people are actually saying, you know what? No, it's fine. The challenge should be like that. It should be that challenge. What's your What's your opinion on that? I think they should have the option to lower the difficulty for people, but also remove the incentive to gear up more. That's a good idea. I like that. Um, so, like. In the uh, Division One, you have the ability to jump between world tiers. I think they should bring that back. Um, that would be I interesting. Do, if they I, I did that. challenge mode earlier, and it was damn near impossible to do with the gear that I currently had. Mm-hmm. But 
I inherently know based on that, that they did a lot of testing for that. So makes me wonder what am I, what's wrong with my build and what can I do to actually have a build to make it so I can complete that content. That is more of where I look at it. I don't necessarily blame a developer for making something hard. I blame myself for not knowing the tools that are available to do that. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't want to put that kind of time into it. And if that's the case, they shouldn't be complaining about how hard it is. Yeah, I'd see that's that's things that the argument to that was when someone when someone would complain about how hard it is, people just say, "Well, it should be that hard. It's just really based on your gear. This pushes you to make an even better gear set and a better loadout to deal with this kind of stuff or work with your teammates more." And um, I'm, I, I'm on I'm on both sides of the fence. I see both sides where I kind of agree, you know, that it is really kind of like um, unforgiving at times the enemies are, but I do also really, I think I more side with the side where I agree it should be this challenging and it is really up to the player and have building that perfect build. It's just going to take a while. And I think that, and then um, a lot of people need to realize too, going into those things solo and not matchmaking into it could actually be an advantage. Um, You have more enemies to fight. More enemies are going to rush you. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to kill things because they actually have the multiplier for people joining. Right. Um, it might actually be easier to do solo. Maybe try that. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot, that or, you know, get with an organized team that you're communicating with. Discuss what kind of, you know, skills you're using. Right. Um, try to organize as a team to get around those tough things. So, yeah. whenever, like, for example, earlier, uh, we were doing a challenge mode mission. We didn't finish it. But to get past one part, I pulled out the flame turret. And we were just filtering pe- enemies towards the door, and I just dropped the flame turret. And we just started unloading on them. Um, little yeah, things like that. Yeah. Like yeah, think exactly. about think about the room that you're going into. Think about the issues you're dealing with. React yeah. to them. Don't just sit there and go, "Well, my minds aren't working in this room, so I want this should be easier." I'm going to complain. You know, well, that's not how it works. I think you know, regardless of this game, whether you're on the hardest difficulty or even the easiest, it definitely gives you a challenge, which is really nice and refreshing compared to the other games we've been playing recently, you know, where it's kind of all easy. You can just roll your face and get loot. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's how I look at it. I mean, it's there is, as long as there's a payoff for how hard you're making it, don't be like Anthem. That's it. (laughs) Right. You know, Anthem does not have a payoff for how hard they make it. This game actually does. So Mm. earn it. Uh, Like you, like you, I've been playing the division two a little bit here and there um, when I can. I've also kind of touched on, kind of just been booting up the Nintendo Switch. I have a little bit more, playing a little bit of just some Super Smash and some other random games on there, which has been kind of nice and refreshing. Um, it's not bad. So, but Division two, I think, is going to be in both of our rotations for a long time. I think. Yes, that is yeah, going to be sure. my main game, and then I'm just going to rotate out. Uh other games in between then and then i'm gonna balance that between that and then my uh my dog that seems to have tourette syndrome or something because he just likes to jump around and swipe at you nonstop. so he's a beagle uh, he's very high energy all right man well that's gonna be about it we're just hitting the on mark just in a few minutes here but that was a great i think it was a great podcast we had a great discussion went over a lot of different news some games you know developers as usual 
Um, yeah. And next next time, I'm sure it, you know we'll have a a lot more to talk about. You know, so. Absolutely. Looking forward right. to it. We'll see everybody next time, and uh, have a good one.